Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back. We uh, accomplished a whopping two verses last episode, so we're going to try to move a little bit more quickly today. We're in Jeremiah chapter 21, and we're at a season in Jeremiah's ministry where he's really at the end. He's an older man now. The invasion of the final invasion of Jerusalem by Babylon is imminent. Zedekiah, the last king of Judah before the captivity, is ruling. He is a son of Josiah, the good king. Josiah had three sons, Jehoiaz, he ruled for a short time, then Jehoiakim, he was the king when Nebuchadnezzar came in the first time. It took Daniel, Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah. And then Jehoiakim had a son by the name of Jehoiakim, or Coniah, and he was actually taken to Babylon in 597 BC. And at that point, Nebuchadnezzar put in a puppet king, uh, the other son of Josiah, so Jehoiaz, Jehoiakim, and then Zedekiah. And Zedekiah basically was given status by Nebuchadnezzar with strings attached. And the strings attached to that were that he would stay in line and pay good taxes and be under Nebuchadnezzar's thumb. But Zedekiah did not do that. Uh, Zedekiah did not turn to God, but Zedekiah rather turned to Egypt and tried to politicize and politic the situation and really just exacerbated the matter because really the issue was a spiritual issue. And Zedekiah tried to accomplish a reprieve for God's people through political chicanery and shenanigans, and that did not work, of course. So here in Jeremiah chapter 21, they are facing imminent destruction. The Babylonian army is on the march. Uh, They are imminently going to come in and siege the city and destroy everything. And Zedekiah realizes, wow, I need help. So he sends two emissaries to Jeremiah to, hey, Jeremiah, would you pray for us? Just pray that God would do one of his wondrous works and that somehow, some way, Nebuchadnezzar would just stop and turn back. I mean, come on. He's desperate, isn't he? Looking for that magic bullet. We talked all about that last episode. What is Jeremiah's answer to all of this? Look at verse number uh, three of our text. Then said Jeremiah unto them, thus shall you say to Zedekiah. So think about it. Jeremiah is just, I mean, as far as human authority and power is concerned, he's just a lowly prophet from a little town called Anathoth. He's never really had a widespread ministry. He's never been popular. He's been imprisoned at times. He's been rejected for most of his ministry. And now all of a sudden, there's a big interest in what he says, what he does. Well, this is a chance for Jeremiah to finally be in. So what does Jeremiah say in answer to this ostensibly humble request 
that Zedekiah is making. Look at verse number three. Then said Jeremiah unto them, Thus shall you say to Zedekiah, Thus saith the the Lord God of Israel. So Jeremiah doesn't even really answer, does he? Jeremiah says, my answer is God's answer. My answer is, here's what God says. What a great template for the modern preacher, the modern counselor, the modern parent. And that is, when we're faced with difficult situations that sometimes call for difficult advice, our job is not necessarily to give bad news or good news. Our our job is to give God's news. So what Jeremiah does is he says, thus saith the Lord God. Here's what God says. So I think as counselors today, what a great template that when people come to us with difficult questions, sometimes that require us to say things to them that are very difficult to hear, it's much easier and bears more authority and weight when we can say, hey, here's what the Bible says. Uh, Here's what this verse of scripture commands. And that's what Jeremiah is doing here. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, behold, I will turn back the weapons of war that are in your hands, wherewith ye fight against the king of Babylon and against the Chaldeans, which besiege you without the walls, and I will assemble them in the midst of this city. Now, think about what Jeremiah just told them that God told them. So they're saying, Jeremiah, pray that God just does some wonderful thing to deliver us from Babylon and that they'll turn around and go home. And what does Jeremiah say that God says to them? Oh, no, God is not going to answer that prayer. In fact, uh, God God is not going to bless your weapons of war. All of your defensive strategies, all of the weapons that you wield, all of the guard towers in which you sit, all of the walls that you have fortified. No, not only will they besiege your city, but they will come in the middle, the midst of, in the middle of your city, and they will assemble there. In other words, your demise, Jerusalem's destruction, invasion is inevitable. They will come. There's nothing you can do to thwart what has already been predicted. You're not going to change this. You have made your bed. Now you will sleep in it. Now that must have been a very difficult thing for the people to hear. These messengers that had come in to speak with Jeremiah, I I would imagine, humanly speaking, this would have been very difficult for Jeremiah to say, to, to tell them this really negative news that basically what I'm saying is the destruction of Jerusalem is ensured. It will happen. Verse number five, and I myself, this is the Lord continuing to speak, and I myself will fight against you with an outstretched hand and with a strong arm, even in anger and in fury and in great wrath, and I will smite the inhabitants of the city both man and beast, they shall die of a great pestilence. So I want you to think very carefully about what the Lord said in verses five and six. They were wanting God to do some work, wonderful work to defend them. 
That, that's the original prayer request in verse number two. And Jeremiah said, that's not going to happen. No, the, the Babylonian army will succeed in its mission. But then he adds this shocking, this shocking part of it. And that's verses five and six, where Jeremiah says, and God has promised that he will be fighting on the side of the Babylonians. So not only will you be fighting against the Babylonians, whom you would have very little chance of repelling, very little chance of defeating. But now that I've told you God is on their side and God is fighting against you, there's no way, not one million out of a one million times, that you would ever be able to defeat God. So you're not really fighting Babylon. Uh, the weapons of your warfare, they're really not against the, this Chaldean army. No, you're fighting against God. Why? Because it is God who is allowing this army to come. It is God that is using the Babylonians as a means by which God's people will be chastised, not destroyed utterly, but chastised. Uh, they will learn this lesson that they would not learn through all of the prophets, through all of the teaching, through all of the weeping of Jeremiah, through all of the historical events that they could have considered. They've, they've chosen not to hear. They've stuck their fingers in their ears. And therefore, God said, the only thing that will teach you a lesson now is this divine spanking. And this will happen. And I am administering it. So look at Babylon as the, the rod and look at God as the wielder of that rod. So you're actually fighting against me. This was the great conundrum that Habakkuk struggled with. That God, why would you use a nation that is more wicked than we are, Babylon, to punish us? I mean, we're bad, but we're not that bad. We're not as bad as they are. And Lord, uh, you're better than that, than to use a, a wicked nation like Babylon. And the entire book of Habakkuk is the explanation and justification by God to Habakkuk that I know what I'm doing and the just shall live by his faith. And God has a purpose in this present suffering. So Jeremiah is simply telling Zedekiah through these messengers what God is doing here. Look at verse number seven, where in verses five and six, God says, I'm going to be part of this invasion. And afterward, saith the Lord, this is verse seven, afterward, saith the Lord, I will deliver Zedekiah, king of Judah and his servants and the people and such that are left in this city from the pestilence. Now stop there. That sounds good. So when all this negative has happened and the Babylonians have crushed the city walls and they are standing in the middle of the city, then I'm going to deliver Zedekiah from the pestilence. They're not going to die of the disease. And, and the people, there will be people that will not die in this invasion. The, the king of Judah, his servants, the people, such, are, such as are left in the city, I'll deliver them from the pestilence, from the sword, from the famine, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, into the hand of their enemies, and into the hand of those that seek their life. And he, the Bible says, Nebuchadnezzar, shall smite them, the ones that survived the battle, he shall smite them with the edge of the sword. In other words, they will be summarily executed. Now, does that mean that nobody was taken captive? Not at all. 
but means that just because you survived the battle, just because the king escaped death in that initial siege, does not mean that judgment's not coming to him as well. Because the Bible says they they shall be he shall smite them with the edge of the sword. He shall not spare them, neither have pity, uh, nor have mercy. So what do we learn historically? We learn historically that that's exactly what happens. When the invasion of Jerusalem takes place and the people are destroyed, some, some do die in pestilence and some do die because of the battle itself. Some are taken captive and among the captives, some are killed. Do you know that Zedekiah was who fled, was captured? And his own sons were murdered by the Babylonians in front of Zedekiah. The last thing he ever saw was the execution of his own flesh and blood boys. And then they they gouged out his eyes. Can you imagine? They, they made him watch his sons get killed. And then they gouged out his eyes. And then they took him back to Babylon where he died a very horrific death. Just don't play around with God. Uh, bad things happen when we choose our sin, then our consequences become things that we, oh, you can choose your sin, but you can't choose your consequence. And how sad that these people over and over and over again rejected the good and merciful message of God, only to see that sin never pays. We're going to stop there in verse number seven. We'll come back uh, to verse number eight next time. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.